Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240 for Spring Semester 2023. Today, annuities and perpetuities, and uh, I'll do a little bit of a cleanup on a few um, topics from the uh, Monday lecture, just to make sure that you have all your skills in order, and also uh, make uh, bring out your computers so that you can use Excel, and um, I'll show you a couple more Excel financial formulas for this topic, the annuities and perpetuities, and also for effective rates and all of that. I will show you on the calculator, and I will also, of the financial calculator, and I will also show you these in Excel. For the most part, well, I gotta be a little careful about saying this, but actually the calculator you can find is a little faster than Excel because you, uh, the, you're just punching the numbers in it's already got the functions there for you. You just have to put the numbers in where they belong. Uh, but one way or the other, I, I've made a decision. Now on your midterm, you are always allowed a uh, four by six note card front and back, as well as your formula sheet with the ratios. And I uh, have decided now, you can have another four by six note card with Excel functions on it or you can get one of those Excel functions um, cards over at the bookstore uh, that gives you all of these. I don't know which would be better. I'm kind of, let me check something real quick here. I'm gonna look. Hmm. Okay. I'm gonna check something here. Uh, just as, Uh, Excel financial functions card. Is there a card or, oh, they've got some. I guess you can download and cut them out or something. A cheat sheet, yeah. I mean, you could kind of like make your own custom card. Well, that doesn't help a whole lot. But one way or the other, oh, quit it, pop-ups. But one way or the other, uh, you can have an Excel functions because by the time we're finished, if I'm counting right, there should be about 25 Excel, uh, different Excel functions that uh, I will introduce and use in the class. So it's worth it for you to know the, uh, have some a handy sheet for it for your exam, for your midterm and for your final exam. A quick look at the markets just to have a look at how the day is proceeding. It has been, it, it was kind of one of those odd days. The Dow was down and the S&P 500 has been struggling to get to, po and to get to and stay in barely positive territory. And the NASDAQ is up uh, pretty decent about. So the, the markets are a little bit uh, a test, testy right now. They're just kind of waiting to see what happens next. Now, crude 
it's back down below 80 a barrel. And as you can see, it plunged and then it rallied, but the rally was short term. So we have crew that's going to be in the terrain where we will eventually, eventually see a little bit better gas prices. Gold and silver both took a toilet break at the opening and then uh, just in the later in the uh, early morning, they stopped. So some bad news spooked the metals and you can see silver did the same thing. And after that news came through, there wasn't any other news one way or the other, so they just kind of drifted. Now the 10-year bond yield. Yield is up, so the price is down. That means that there's a sell-off in the bond market. Interestingly, that's not going over to equities. There's no action really on equities. And the metals are obviously not where any money's going. So investors are getting out of bonds, sell bonds, price goes down, and you're seeing the yields go up. But it's apparently it's just kind of going and staying on the sidelines right now. Um, take you over here, London. As you can see, uh, well, first of all, Japan. It tried to have a little bit of a good uh, bullish start, but then it just slid, and whatever the bad news was, it got digested, and then the market went nowhere from there. And, but when you get over to London, London had a, a bad start, and they just closed over there, and there was a rally. It was up, well, that's not bad, a half a percent at the end. So apparently the British are in some kind of a reasonably good mood. We're just sort of on the sidelines. It's wait and see. We got um, inflation numbers that were not all that great. And they, it was a little hotter than we expected, which means the Fed is not going to ease up quite yet. So that kind of spooked the markets for a little while. But today, they're waiting for something new to come through to tell them a direction to go. And until they do, they're just going to keep money in cash. They're just going to keep cash balances. Well, let me show you a couple of companies here just to keep you fresh on reading screens and show you a few new, uh, a little bit more today. Start with one. At one time, it was a very, it was a popular company and it had a lot of stores around the country and it was a little more upscale. Bed Bath & Beyond. It has, and I'm bringing that up because they just closed They've been closing stores all over the country to try to survive, and they finally announced that they're closing the store here in our town. And so, uh, what's the story with them? Obviously, this is a brutal uh, beta of 1.55, high risk. There's no P.E. ratio because earnings per share is negative. There will not be a reported P.E. with a negative uh, earnings. And it's bad. Five dollars and they lost five dollars and sixty-four cents per share, and so there's no P/E ratio, and it's really hard to call what's going to happen. But they're now pretty much in penny stock territory. In this kind of a situation, I mean, they're down two and a half percent today. There are some who just say, "I got a hundred dollars. I'm just going to throw it in and buy some." of this and if it works it works if it doesn't the hell with it but as far as i'm concerned this is 
this is beyond hope, beyond help now. Let me show you a couple of other ones here. I'm going to take you over here to Target, TGT. I'm going to show you something a little new here. Look at this. They're up strongly today, much more than the market is, even though they're not, they're about as risky as the world, but they're up strongly today. And uh, PE ratio, a little undervalued. They've got good earnings and all that. We've looked at Target. What's going on? Well, let's go down here, and you can see earnings, uh, their earnings announcements. They've got an earnings announcement for their first quarter of 2023, fiscal 2023, coming out in just about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. Notice that they have been, these blue circles are what they estimated the earnings would be. The red is what they actually announced. And so you notice that for some time, they've been overestimating their earnings. And then when they came out, they were not good at all. And so, and this has been consistently, Target has overestimated. This time, something is interesting going on here. The stock price is going up now. The earnings call, in other words, they, they, they announce the earnings, and at that time, they call the big uh, dogs on Wall Street for a conference call explaining the earnings and how that, what they, why they were what they were. So the earnings call is going to come out in, 15th, uh, in just under two weeks. This is a rally before the call. This goes to an old, an old rule of thumb. Buy on the rumor, sell on the news. In other words, the rumors are that they're going to actually meet their earnings projection this time. And so we're buying on, you're seeing the uh, investors buying on the rumor. Now what's going to happen is bad or even good, you'll see a sell-off on the earnings call. And you'll have the financial networks. Well, for some reason, the market sold. The market fell when they announced good earnings. No, that's a very typical thing. A quick, very brief story: how I got burned. I mean, I got my butt burned. Campbell's rumor was they were going to have strong earnings above their projection. I bought in, and I was I was up easily three thousand dollars. And the day before the earnings were actually announced, the st- that night, that right be- the, the night before the day the earnings were announced, the stock collapsed in the overnight market. By the time I could sell, I'd lost everything in it. Because even though they did give a good earnings report, there was a sell on the news the night before. And I'm not a big enough trader that I can play in the overnight markets. And so even with a good earnings call, you can have the stock price drop. But right now, you're seeing buy on the rumor. And then later, you'll see sell on the news. We'll look at it in a few weeks on the 27th or around that time and see what's happening. Let's look at another one. Um, Home Depot, HD. This, by the way, is what's called earnings season. There are a number of the um, companies are 
uh, earnings or sh uh, the earnings call is going to be in the next few weeks. So there's activity in those kinds of companies. Now you see they're up four-tenths of a percent, Home Depot is. Now let's see why that would be going on in a market that's not being quite as exciting. And notice the Home Depot is less volatile than the world portfolio. But we'll go over here. Yep, sure enough, they've got an earnings call. Their earnings call is in less than a week. Notice that they have been consistently above the, their estimate uh, for the last year or about the last year. So this earnings call, there's an expectation that it'll be above what the projection is. And so the price of the stock has been starting to rally. See this rally through here over the last few, over the last, uh, few days? That's the rumor, good earnings. And then when it comes out, they'll sell off. Looks like it's not that spectacular, but you know, there's that. And you can look at a lot of different companies. If I wanted to look at Tesla, Tesla's got a lot of other issues going on with it, but it's up more than a percent. Extreme beta. Even price, even though the price took a crap bath a while back, it's still overvalued according to the PE ratio. So I would not be See, their earnings have actually been above their projections so far. And so there's going to be a modest rally right now coming into their, but they're way out there. I shouldn't say that. Their earnings aren't for another couple of months. So that's, they're just, there's some hope. But the problem is extremely high beta and, and a ridiculous price earnings ratio. So this is an overvalued stock right now, and if you look at the one year, see how it fell? And then there's been this backing from Wall Street and some places other than Wall Street that have tried to push the price of the stock back up. But all that did was make the PE, or PE ratio worse. So it's just the, all these pushes from the big dogs to try to support the stock. All it's doing is just making the overvaluation worse. And so don't be surprised if there's another collapse of the price coming down the road. When? I can't tell you that. But yeah, so what I'm trying to do is get you into a way of thinking about markets so that you can look at these numbers on your own and begin to make some assessments yourself. You see this volume spike in here? See this? That's the big dog supporting it. When you've got players on Wall Street that have portfolios of millions of shares of that stock, they are sure as hell going to fight tooth and nail to keep that stock price up there. They're just gonna pump as hard as they can because if that collapses in price, that collapses on their books, uh, net asset value of the house. So they're gonna do what they can to keep this going. And then the rumors of more money pouring in from a certain other place to help out because of uh, the CEO's newfound bro bromance with uh, a certain savage in the Middle East. But that's another thing. Okay, enough of that. Two more things. A calculator and we'll grab some Excel here. 
Um, I left you last time with a problem where you had to use logarithms to get the answer. The calculator did it much more quickly. And now I'm going to show you how you can do it, do it in Excel. Now the problem that I did, uh, how long will it take for $5,000 to double in an account with an APR of, does anyone have any notes? What was the APR I called for that one? 5.99 was 5.19. What was compounding? 52 week. Got yeah, 5.19 compounded weekly. Now you will recall that when I did it with actually just a mathematical formula and solved for the time, it came out to be, and uh, it came out to be that the uh, number of years was the log of two over the nat natural log of one plus 0 0.0519 over 52. Whoops, that was times 52. That was how you find it by mathematic, mathematical formula. And then I showed you how you can do it on your calculator a lot more readily, a lot more easily. And I'll do that very quickly here. Uh, you take apps, finance, and you use your TVM solver. We don't know the N this time. So all I can do is I'm going to start with the I percent, 5.19, and remember that you divide by the number of periods, uh, compoundings per year, which would be 52. And then the present value would be the negative 5,000. There are no payments along the way, but the future value is going to be 10,000. And then you can go up, back up to the end. Make sure everything's 1, 1, N down below. Go back up to the end, and you say alpha solve. Now, you have to be cautious here because you gave it weekly interest. So it's going to give you weeks for an answer. So you have to divide this by 52 to get the result in years, 13.36 years. It'll take to double it. Okay. Now, you can do this in Excel as well. And it's your choice which way you want to do it. I'm going to put it um, PV, FV, um, 
years, and this is all in column A, number of compoundings per year, and the APR, am I forgetting anything? Oh yeah, payments, PMT. Okay, so now we start with negative 5,000. And remember, Excel is like any financial calculator. You have to give present values as negatives. So you'll have negative $5,000. The future value is 10,000. The number of years, we don't know. The compoundings per year is 52. 50. Two. APR is 5.19, and you have to tell Excel it's a percent because it needs the decimal, and it will know that's a decimal. And there are no payments along the way. Now you go back up to the years. Now this is a new formula, so this goes into your little formulas pack. Equals NPER. Now let Excel help you. As soon as you hit the open parenthesis, it'll tell you what to put in. Now your rate here is going to be the APR divided by the number of compoundings per year, which was the B4. Now it's going to want the payments, and you've got those right here. Comma, now it's going to want the present value comma, and it's going to want the future value. Now, the last one is type. Now, if, you, if it's in brackets, you don't have to put it in. But if you don't put it in, it will default to a value. The type can be a 1 or a 0. Default is 0. 0 is for an ordinary annuity. 1 is for an annuity due. We don't have to worry about that here at all. So we could leave it blank, or I can just put in a zero just for shots and giggles. Doesn't matter. You don't even have to put a comma and zero because it's in brackets. Close the parenthesis, and then it's going to give you the answer in weeks as well because you gave it the, the interest rate, APR divided by 52. So if you want to, right here, you can say divided by 52. Or you can just do that one cell over. I'm just going to put it here. And there you go. Like I said, you don't have to do that here. You could just do that one cell over, that result times uh, divided by 52. But it's if you can remember to remember, or in case you don't, you want to do it the fancy way, you can say divided by B4. And you'll get the same answer. Okay? That's, you're getting a load here. I mean, it's like the farther we go into the future, the more you have to know. 
I, I mean, just this technical stuff will drive you crazy. But because most of you will be in a world where Excel will be your bad uh, friend, you got to get comfortable with this now. And it won't be so bad later. Honestly, right before the lockdown and just after it, I had students coming out and they said, I know Excel. And their common refrain was, I had no idea when they get into corporate life. And so here's where we're trying to brace you a little bit for this uh, rude world that's coming up. At least we're not requiring you to know programming languages yet, but that's coming. Uh, if any of you are interested, right now the hot languages are Python and R. If you want a crash course in those, ask me. I can send you to those. Anyway, OK, there's that. It's not, it's not hard at all, really. Now, here's an odd thing, though. Uh, this is another side topic, but they ask it in a couple problems, and I'll ask it on the midterm. It's actually fairly easy to do, but it goes back to the history. It goes back in history why this is here. I keep saying compoundings per year. Well, there was a time when there were no compoundings per year. Well, there was one compoundings per year. One, your APR was the interest rate. But as in the early, well, sort of towards the mid-1930s, there had been a whole bunch of reform going on after they kicked out the uh, hardcore pro-business conservatives. And so there were banking regulations put into place. A big thing was to put a cap on interest rates that could be offered by financial institutions, like banks. You're not allowed to promise these insane rates that were drawing money and then you couldn't pay them back and you all left town. They put a cap on, and the cap at that time was 5.25%. Now that actually didn't matter too much. It was at well above what interest rates were at that time because to crawl out of the Great Depression, the government had been printing lots of money, which drives down the price of money, interest rates. So 5.25%, you know, everyone said, well, we don't pay anything near that. Well, that changed as time went on. And banks started getting com competition from financial institutions that weren't under that rule. And the banks started saying, 5.25% isn't quite enough. And then they came up with an interesting thought. It doesn't say anything in that law about compoundings per year. But if we compound per year, let me show you something here. Let me get rid of some of this stuff here. Um, let me do... Uh, a 10-year with 5.25%. Now, let's say we put in, oh, let's, let me get rid of these here real quick. 
and let's put in a present value of, you put in $2,500. Now let's have one compounding per year. Now the future value of that money in 10 years would be equal to FV and the rate would be that divided by the compoundings per year, the APA divided by the compoundings per year, comma, the number of years, B3, times the compoundings per year, which in this case is one, and then comma, there are, the payments are zero, and the present value. Look at that, do you see what I did? Do you see the mistake I did? I didn't put in a negative PV. Pisses me off. Okay. PV. And you'll get an error, probably. Let me put in a negative. Okay. Now watch what happens if I make it, instead of one compounding per year, the interest is calculated twice per year. Oops. Twice per year. That 4170. 4198. Quarterly compounding. 4212. Monthly compounding. 4221. Weekly compounding. 4225. Daily compounding, 365. 4226. You notice that as the number of compoundings goes up, the amount of money at the end increases. So in other words, the APR is no longer the effective rate. The effective rate is higher. We have a formula. It's really a simple formula, but there's also one of your financial apps does it in the calculator, and Excel can do it too. Let me show it to you. Um, if you do it by hand, this effective rate as we call it, is going to be just one plus the APR over the number of compoundings per year to the number of compoundings per year. Notice that the effective rate has nothing to do with the present value, the future value, the number of years. It's just a straight calculation. So let me go back here real quick into Excel and put in, let's say, 12 compoundings per year. Okay, so now, with the calculator, I can do this. Why does this calculator turn off? It's, it's turning off to save battery. Yes, I get it. But no, it's stupid. Okay, okay. You just do one plus point zero five two five. Let's say the it's uh, monthly compounding. Close the parenthesis to the compoundings per year, twelve. And then you got it. Oh, I forgot to do something. I I apologize for that. Minus one. For God's sake, don't forget the minus one. <sighs> Minus one. 5.38 percent. 
That's actually what the effective rate is on the loan, uh, on the uh, bank account, I'm sorry. Now, you can use the apps in uh, Excel to do this. Watch. Apps, finance. Now, if you go way down here to letter C in your menu, EFF, just hit enter. Give it the APR, 5.25, comma, the number of compoundings per year, 12, Close the parenthesis. 5.38%. So that's the app way to do it. Apps, finance, and go clear down. You'll find one, clear down past one through nine to A, B, it's C, and hit enter, and it brings it up. And all you do is put in the APR, comma, how many compoundings per year, and there's your effective rate. Now, we can also do this in Excel. Watch this. Effective rate. Equals EFFECT, open parenthesis, the nominal rate, comma, the compoundings per year. And there it is, too. That's EFFECT, effect. Pretty robust. <laughs> All these, I, like I said, I, I'm counting them up. We, you'll get about. 25 of these, so you definitely might want to get a write up a card with the ones on it that I'm giving you. Usually you can do it on the calculator, but you know, if you got Excel and you want to hammer these out and be pretty sure that everything is going to work. Okay? That is that. Nothing, nothing really hard about it. It's just one of those you have to remember the formula. And also, it gives you actually the decimal. That's, you know, you just say, give me that as a percent and scoot it over so that it's two decimal places. You do know how to do that, right? You just hit that. You can turn things into dollars, into percents. You can turn numbers into with to have commas in them, things like that. And you can add more, add more decimal places or remove decimal places pretty fast with those uh, facilities. Okay. Those are a few of the last cleanup things. Now, the topic today is annuities. I'll do perpetuities. It's easy. It's a cleanup on Monday. But annuities. An annuity is 
a multi-period cash flow. We've been doing lump sums up to now. Now, technically, a lump sum is an annuity with one cash flow, one payment. I mean, you could actually use the annuity stuff. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I will not even bother with the formulas anymore with these. We're just going to go to the calculator and to Excel to do them because it just takes so much less time. And the formulas, you can't use them for some annuity problems. You, you can't do it. Well, I, let, let me put it this way. You can, but you have to be a geek to do it that way. Okay, now, and I know that you were introduced to this in your accounting class, so that's probably old news to you. Now, there are two flavors of annuity. Level annuity, or I'm sorry, oh, level annuity and non-level. Now, level annuity, each payment is the same. These are very common. Your payments on a car loan are all the same, so that's a level annuity. Your payments on a house are all the same. That's a level annuity. If you have a defined amount of money you're putting into a pension or putting into the bank out of your paycheck every month or every two weeks, that's a level annuity. They're very common. They're the most common kind. A non-level payments are not the same. These are more what we use. We'll see some of these at the end of the course. They're, not, they're no harder in Excel. or uh, Calculator has a hard time. No, it doesn't. You have to do a trick on the calculator to do non-level annuities. <coughs> but they're more <coughs> what you see in corporate and investment finance. So for example, if I project out the free cash flow for a company for the next 10 years and then find the present value of those, well, those are not all going to be the same. That'll be a non-level annuity that I'm pulling back there. The same is true you'll see in a couple of weeks when I start showing you how to predict intrinsic values of stocks. The cash flows, we calculate from the dividend flows. The dividends are going to be the same every time. So you're going to have a non-level annuity. You're pulling back the present value, which represents the intrinsic price of the stock. Okay, so the non-levels are coming up. For now, though, it's just levels. Now, within this, looking over here, we can uh, kind of talk about this. We can talk about ordinary annuities and annuity due. This is all another subject. An ordinary annuity, payments are at the end of each period. Annuity due, the payments are at the beginning. 
of every period. Now, here's the thing. Ordinary annuities are like your payments. You, madam, decided you were going to borrow to buy a car. It's an ugly car, but we'll let you have it, okay? And we're going to do one here in a while. Those are ordinary annuities because you get your loan, one month later, you make your first payment, and you make a payment after that every time. The same with a house. You decide that you're going to buy a nice hovel just outside of Decatur, double wide trailer, double wide because your kids are double wide, okay? Eat too much at Frisch's, big boy restaurants. Okay, here's the thing though. That is an ordinary annuity. You may get your loan and then the next, one month later you make your first payment. That's typical on these. Okay, and however, the annuity due shows up and especially in financial planning, here's how, kind of in a nutshell, um, it turns out that you, madam, got a great, huge job. You're making a lot of money, and you want to plan for your future, okay? So you're going to come to a financial planner, and you're going to say, well, I want to buy a house in five years, and I want a down payment of $20,000. And I'll also like to have a car every three years, and I'll also, I want to plan for like a vacation home in 10 years to go with my regular home. And I also want to make, uh, make arrangements. I have a child who's nine and she will be going to college in nine years. I want to have the money to pay for her tuition. And I have a child who's four and I will want to make those arrangements. So in other words, you're going to have these targets of amounts of money out here. Each one of those can be in a line in Excel and what I'll do is I'll say, okay, starting today, I add all these up, the payments to achieve those goals, and that's what you write me a check for today, and every month you write me a check for that. So that one period before, one month before you need one of these, the money is there for that. That's an annuity due. Think about it this way. Uh, you, sir. You ultimately find an, a, a, a significant other, okay? Yes, it'll happen, perhaps. And no more, you know, swipe left on Tinder, You're, you've got someone, and everything is great. And then she says those three words to you. No, it's not I love you. It is I am pregnant. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, you know, I didn't have any razor blades to kill myself, so I rode with it. And, uh, but the day of the child is born, let me tell you, I went through that a few times. I was exhausted. I mean, I was tired when that, you know, after the birth. And I, so I, but I was invigorated. I went out, I drove to a White Castle, I thought, by God, today I'm going to put in money. $2,500, and every birthday, 
I'm going to put in this $2,500 so that on the 17th birthday, the last $2,500 goes in, and then on the 18th birthday, I pull it all out and I say, here, child, this is yours for your 18th birthday. Pay for your tuition for college, pay for rehab, whatever you want, okay? That's an annuity due. So annuity due, I mean, they're almost like, here's the flag. On a quiz or an exam, you will see me say, starting today, you put in. So when I say starting today, you know that it's an annuity due. And so that's where we start all of this is with these. Now, let's do a, 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 just a normal annuity here. Uh, uh, Starting in a month, you will receive $5,000 every month for 40 years. What is the present value of that annuity? Okay. Now what we're going to do is, we're going to do this on the calculator first. One thing to identify right off the bat is that this is an is a an ordinary annuity because it is your first payment is at the end of the month okay big flag right there that'll be important I'm going to do it on the calculator first here and the calculator is off again okay apps finance TVM solver now walk I'm going to do this slowly and I'm going to explain make sure that you watch the steps because I've done this long enough, I know where it's likely that you would trip and get a wrong answer on an exam. And I'll be hanged if I'm going to let any of you get a wrong answer on this on the exam. Uh, although God knows you'll try. Okay, now, whenever you're going into uh, the calculator from, uh, from something else you've done, don't delete the numbers that are there. Leave them alone. And don't put, uh, just, it, it, that can cause the calculator to error. Just leave them. Okay, so N. The N is 40 years. However, you notice in that problem that I didn't directly say the number of compoundings per year? Do you see that it's not really there? It is implied that it will be 12 in this case. Because every time you count money, that becomes a compounding. So if I don't say it, it is going to be however often you get it. In this case, it's monthly. So I'm going to do times 12. Now, I've got to give it a discount rate.
let's say we discount at 4.59%. That's an APR. Notice again, I didn't say annual. So if you don't hear a word, annual percentage rate or yearly, the standard is always going to be a year if I don't say anything else. So in this case, we're going to have 4.59, but we divide it by the number of compoundings per year. The APR divided by, remember, the N is times, the I percent is divide. Now, the present value, we don't know that. Just leave that alone. But we do have the payments, which were what? $5,000 a month? Now, we don't have a future value. A future value would be if there were a kicker at the end. You see these, you'll see these in a, f a few weeks, I think after, right before the midterm and after. Bonds have a kicker, $1,000. At the end of a bond's life, you get $1,000. The only other place that I can think of where kickers are there if you're familiar with leases on cars, when you lease a car for like three years, all you do is pay the lease payment 36 times, and then the car goes back to the dealer. But you have an option to buy it at the end. And so if you were doing a lease analysis, you would put in what, your, what the price was at the end. But other than that, don't worry about it. Now look here. Make sure, for God's sake, that's on end because that's an ordinary annuity. If you do an annuity due, you would toggle it over here to begin. And there's another problem, too, one that I've encountered. Watch yourself because sometimes your problem on an exam will be an ordinary annuity, then you'll get an annuity due, and then you'll get another ordinary annuity. I've seen uh, more than a few times students forget to move it back to end after they've done a begin. But anyway, go back up here. What's the present value? Go up to the PV, alpha, enter alpha solve. 1,098,021.67. I want you to notice something about that. Just something interesting that the present value of the future expected earnings. Now, this was someone who was earning $5,000 a month in a relatively high interest rate environment. Now, the interesting thing about this is that gives you an idea of how we figure out how much life insurance you should buy. It's the present value of your future expected cash flows. And that's the reasonable basis. Now, if you take someone like you in your, who's going to have a college education, really good school, and a business degree, you can see that uh, we do those calculations. That comes up anywhere from five to $20 million because the PMTs are so much higher. But this would be you know, like your average, you know, you know, middle, lower, middle class, middle class, uh, workers' gross income. So this gives you an idea of how we figure out what in life insurance, or you can even figure out for yourself. 
if someone is trying to sell you too much life insurance or too little life insurance. But whatever you do, uh, whatever life insurance you get, uh, you should not share that with your anyone that you don't trust because otherwise they might collect it on you. Anyway, there you go. Now, yeah, go ahead. Because there's no kicker at the end. There's no extra mouth. The FV would be there if there was a lump of money that came at the very end of the annuity. Well, in your case, maybe, uh, you know, you retired. You're going to work for 40 years. Maybe they'll give you a gold watch. So I'd put in $100. Well, actually, it's probably about 20 because they'd give you a Casio that was painted gold. But, you know, that's what they'll do for me. Uh, you know. But, I, I mean, that would be only if there were some bonus amount. Otherwise, it's just your, your last check is your last payment of $5,000. And that's already captured here in the PMT stream. Yeah. Now, like I said, bonds have a weird little trick. At the end, you get a coupon, an interest coupon all along the way, and then at the end, you get one last coupon, and then you get $1,000 at the end. So in those, we put 1000 And then, thank God we have these calculators, because those don't have a formula. You can't do them by hand. Well, you could, but it would take you a long time. Okay, so there, there's that. Now, let's take another one. That one where you were going to put money in the bank for your kid. Okay, so that one, let's say you're going to put in $2,500 every year. Like, uh, uh, and that's going to be for 18 years divided by one because you're going to do only one payment a year. And let's say you put it into an account that pays 35 Zero, three and a half percent divided by one because there's one payment a year. And then you go down here. Now, there's no present values. You're not going to put in an extra amount. All you're going to do is put in your payments of $2,500 every year. Now, this one, it's an annuity due because your first payment is on the kid's birth day. So that will be the payments are at the beginnings of the periods. And now let's see what will be in that account one year after you put in your last $2,500 payment on the kid's 17th birthday. This is on when the kid turns 18, alpha solve, 63, $63,392. That's how much will be in it. Now, this is something that is actually very useful. Suppose that we're talking about you, sir, you want to buy a home. And you want to buy that home in, let's say, five years. Okay? And you would like to, and you, you're looking at, you, you want to buy something that's like a $150,000 house, your first starter home. Well, what we could do in a case like that is, okay, you're going to put in money out of your paycheck, let's say, every month. So 5 times 12, drop it down, and let's say that you're putting it into an account that pays, oh, uh, 
3.29% per year, and you're going to do this monthly for five years. And the present value, there's no present value. This is what you'll have in the future. And you want to have, let's say, a 20% down payment on a $150,000 house. That's kind of unrealistic. Let's do 10% down. And let's say that we're going to make this an annuity due. You're going to start right now so that you have the money a month before you need it to make the down payment. So we'll leave it as an annuity due. And let's see how much your payments would have to be, how much you'd have to put in the bank every month to accomplish it. Now, this is getting closer to financial planning. Alpha solve. $229, $230 every month you'd have to put in to accomplish that. And this is literally how we do financial planning. You've got a target. You want $15,000 in five years. How much are you going to have to put into the bank every month starting right now? $230. And here's the, just as a side note, this is where the difficulty comes in. Yeah, we can get people into this, uh, you know, individuals, <laughs> couples, it's maintaining the discipline. You gotta do it. You can't, if you screw up one of these payments, the whole thing falls apart on you. And another thing is, you start seeing that money after three years, and oh, I got a nice pile of money. Maybe a vacay would be great for me. You've gotta keep to the program, you gotta not deviate. So if you can hold it $230 a month for five years, you can have enough that. A lender is going to say, oh, yeah, you got that much for a down payment? Sure, you might even get a little better interest rate with a down payment like that. But you have to maintain the discipline. This is where this becomes less abstract and it becomes more real life, especially for wealthier people, as, uh, as you will be. You'll have the income that $230 won't be that much of a ding out of your paycheck. And so you can start planning for the future five years, that's not too bad to have your own home and all that. And uh, so there's that. Now, let's go and do one more. I, I'm trying to think. Madam, what would be a nice car for you to have? Now, I'm not trying, don't be uh, crazy. You know, I want a Maserati. And let's try to keep above uh, Kia Soul, uh, something nice. Kia Soul or what? Sure. No, well, okay, well, why don't we just do a Kia Soul? I mean, they're not going to recall those for ugly for a few years yet, okay? So very quickly, go to Google, Kia Soul. Let's see what the APR on it is. Okay, you want... Let's say that you want to go with the GT line, 23490 Let's say that you negotiate that's the out-the-door out price, 23490 Okay, so 23490 you're going to get a six-year loan. Let's go up here. So that would be six years times monthly payments. Let's say you can get an APR on it of 6.25% divided by 12. 
and you're going to want to kick in negative 23,490. You're going to get that right now. And there's no future value. There's no kicker at the end. You're paid, and it's, you're paying at the end. So now let's go up and see what your payments are going to be. Alpha, enter, or alpha solve. $359. Boy, that's sure $359.53. That's what your payments will be. It seems like a lot. I mean, I was looking at a, an Outlander, and that was like a uh, $39,000. Oh, no, no, no. Zero. Payments, I, I missed. I'll leave that there for now. And it was 39000 out the door, and I got an APR offer of 5.89% uh, divided by 12 on a five-year loan. And uh, everything looks right. So what are my payments on that? Yeah. See, I was doing that just to make sure that you were watching me. Yeah, God. Oh, boy, that would have... <laughs> five point. <laughs> Those payments would have made me sad. I'm talking and trying to do this at the same time. Now, I do want to show you something here. If I just type in the negative, it will overwrite the three. You can hit second insert and it will push everything over to the side. Okay? That's just a little stupid trick, pet trick. Okay, let's see how, what my payments are going to be. Alpha solve. 750. Oh, you can kiss my ass. I'm not going to do that. 751, almost $752 every month. That would mean that there would be, I'd, I'd have to go to cat food uh, for that. But that, see, these are practical problems, though, because now you could actually say, okay, I don't want any payment more than $400 a month. You can then say, what car can I get for that? Alpha, solve. Yeah, about that. I can get a $20,000 car. $20,745 car. Something you should think about. You can go in. Yeah, go ahead. My numbers are a little bit off. Probably because I screwed something up. 8 point, 8 point, whoops, 8 point, no, I'm sorry, it was 5.89 slash 12, 60 months. Oh, 8. 5.89 divided by 12. I'm getting, it's getting late, late in the day, good people. Alpha solve. That, you use your calculator? Yeah. Oh, and, and what's yours? A TI? You'll get slightly different answers. That's why I give a range on the test for a right answer. Yeah. Say that again? Yes. 
the number. It's five times twelve. You make sixty payments. Yeah. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I thank you.